Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. To all in the NFL world, it is the All City All NFL Podcast. Meat Locker, uh, Meat Locker's traveling today. The great Brian Baldinger. I'm Anthony Gargano. Baldy in Florida. Yep. How's Florida treating you, buddy? Uh, it looks good out there right now. Um, you know, the palm trees are swaying. Breeze is good. It's warm. Um, it's not the sunniest day, but it's there's nothing to complain about. I'll tell you that. Well, here's the thing. I got I got to laud you, and we when we talked about Jim Harbaugh and the the possibilities of where Jim would fall. You have been on the Chargers. You have been on the Chargers from day one. You said, "Look, that's the perfect spot for him." You know, it's a great spot for his family. It's a great spot. The quarterbacks there. There's some talent there. He, you know, California has been a good place for Jim. Stanford, the Niners, the whole thing. And lo and behold, it was a one-horse race for Jim for for Jim Harbaugh. The Chargers have their new guy. What a great hire, Baldy! It's great hire. It's great for the league. Um, it's great for the. It's just great for the NFL. We need. We, we never have enough good head coaches. That's why they just keep cycling them. But you know, he started his career with the Raiders as a quarterback coach. Went to the University of San Diego. Turned that program around. Went to Stanford. Okay. Went to the 49ers. And he spent a lot of time in California like from the very northern part to the very southern part. So I I think the wife likes California. Pretty sure she does. That's always a a big consideration for any man uh, in any endeavor. Okay. Um, And so, and then. Happy wife. Yep. Yeah. Well, all that is true, especially coaches that spend a lot of time, you know, over at a facility. Um, But that being said, I just think it's a great spot, not just because of Justin Herbert, but just because that that division right now, like can Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes just keep dominating that division? Somebody can somebody take them down. Like the team that takes them down is going to be celebrated. Just that, just that alone. Not that that influenced them. But I just think you know Telesco's gone. He went to the Raiders, so you know he'll get his own GM. Like he's got, he basically needs a lot about how he wants to operate. And basically, the Spanos are like, look, we've done free agency, we've done coaches, we've got a quarterback, we still can't do it. Let's just go all in on the coach. Let's go all in on the coach, and let's just do it that way and see what happens. Because they've tried all the other approaches. And oh, by the way, 
they're second class citizens in Los Angeles. Like, let's build a fan base. And winning always builds a fan base. So, what's next for the Chargers? But I, I, I'm with you. The fact that they need to build a fan base, the perfect guy to build a fan base out there is a guy like Harbaugh. Because, like you said, you, you just know you're going to win. Yeah. You're going to win. And winning brings fans. And so, look. The, the Chargers are still new to Los Angeles. The the Clippers are building a stadium right down the street from there. Like they share the same city with Los Angeles. It's all about winning at this point. So you win games, you're going to attract fans. There's a there's enough of a base of football fans there. So that that will take care of itself. You you get in the playoffs next year and win a playoff game, something they haven't done in a long long time. Like they're going to be there. They'll they'll be they'll be bolting up. They'll have the colors. Um, you know, I mean, that would be a challenge is make it to Charger Stadium. I mean, I can see Harbaugh saying something like that. The hell is SoFi? This is Charger Stadium. That's like he'll do something. You know, he's, he's just good with putting stuff out there. Like this is how this is who we're going to be. I can see him changing the color scheme. Like you name it. Like nothing's out of reach for this guy about because it's so much the psychology because so much is psychology of the game and how he programs players, how he programs the fans and the, the staff and the whole thing. Um, you, can't, you can't watch one of his games at any of his stops and not see his imprint. What's his greatest gift? I think his greatest gift, honestly, is the vision of how he wants his team to play and getting – not just the personnel so that they can play that style, but getting them to believe in what his vision is about how to play and how to win games. I just think it's just that simple. And he, you know, it's funny because he did it with the Niners. He did it with Stanford. He did it with the Niners. And Michigan, like, you knew he wanted to go play that old Michigan style of football. And, man, well, he, he did it. He, he was going to honor Bo. Yeah. He was going to own it bow by how he coached the team. And, and then, you know, if you look at San Francisco, I mean, Alden Smith was a terror in this league. Jim Harbaugh leaves, like, he just he completely fell apart. Like, his life fell apart. You know, but Justin Smith, like, he brought Justin Smith in from Cincinnati. Justin Smith had the four best years of his career in San Francisco at the end of his career. Like, the physical, like, the way that – Patrick Willis and the way that they played at linebacker, like this, they're just gonna. It, it's gonna look like a old style of football. It just the way that physically they're gonna take you apart. It's funny, man. In, in this day and age, where it's analytics, it's Madden, it's throw, throw, spread, and he just goes back to you know cloud of dust, and he did it. It's unreal. Well, it's still, as much as the game has changed, like we, we had Joe Flacco on this week, and it's like, look, as much as you want to talk about throwing it, it's still the most physical teams win. And you look at the four teams that are left right now, they all run the ball really well. You know, they're all built around the run. Now, you could say they still throw it to win games. Okay. But, you know, Pacheco changes the way Kansas City plays the game right now. Detroit was built around the run. They changed the running room you know, to bring in Montgomery, to bring in and to draft Gibbs. And you look at what they're doing in Baltimore. They still lead the league in rushing. They ran for 220 yards against Houston. Um, you know, and so 
this thing has not – to him, the game still hasn't gotten away from how you win games. You, you tackle well, you get off blocks, you run the ball, you do those – you know, and when you do those kind of things, you also end up um, taking care of the football. You, you treasure the football. You just, you're not careless with it. All right. Uh, another coaching hire uh, was solidified today by the Carolina Panthers – they tab Dave Canales, who's the OC from Tampa. He's a big, bit of a quarterback whisperer, right? Reworked with Russ. He was with Pete Carroll in Seattle with Geno. And what he did, he's been able to really, and with Baker this year. So do you like Dave Canales coming to Carolina to try to work with a young quarterback who had such a difficult rookie year in Bryce? I don't know yet because here's the problem I have with everybody that's saying exactly the same thing, cuz great. Bryce Young plays better than he did this year. Well, what about the other 52 guys on the team? Like, can he address those guys? Can he stand up in front of the room? Like, I understand he worked for Pete Carroll. I don't think any of us would ever question Pete Carroll's leadership ability. Even now, if Pete wanted to coach now, like you would hire Pete. Like, I don't know if Dave can do that. I think, yeah, okay, he worked with Baker. Okay, he worked with Geno. He worked with Russ. But it was still Pete Carroll who was coach. It's still Todd Bowles. I don't know if Dave Canales – like, I understand Bryce Young has to play better. And maybe Dave Canales will put him in a better position. But is he going to be on top of special teams? Is the defense going to be, like, uh, less leaky than it was in the secondary last year? Like, I, I don't know about all those other things. And that's the only problem. And, and maybe he is more, way more than just a quarterback coach and a, and a coordinator. Maybe he's way more than that. But none of us never know that until those guys are put in that position. All right. From Carolina to Philadelphia. And let's look at the Eagles. Go. Nick Sirianni had his news conference. It was Nick. It was Howie. And Nick said, basically, all right, I have to prove myself all over again. And that's his mission for next year. All right. It was, I, I thought it was noticeable by his absence that Jeffrey Lurie wasn't at the press conference. Uh, there's a lot of moves that have been made at the coordinator level. Uh, it doesn't surprise me that Vic Fangio is hired as his defense coordinator. He was there the year before. He kind of helped out and oversaw what Jonathan Gannon was doing. I think they were grooming him to become the defensive coordinator if Gannon got a job. And then he took the job in Miami. So I think they said that, well, we'll just hire a disciple of Vic Fangio and Sean Desai, which he was. And that didn't work out too good. So they, maybe they got the guy they wanted all along in Vic. So maybe that's a good start. Uh, I think that there will be changes at the position level uh, by Vic Fangio and Howie and, and Nick. So I'm anxious to see what that is. And they've got a big position to fill because at offensive coordinator, because if this is Nick's offense, is it still going to be Nick's offense or is it going to be Kellen Moore's offense or Cliff Kingsbury's offense or anybody else that they interview for the job? Like I, I there, it remains to be seen because the quarterback has to play better. And he, and I'm, I'm, I'm you know, maybe it's, it, you just, it's just a question of him getting healthy uh, but there, it seemed to be a very simplistic approach to playing offensive football, especially the second half of the season. So I'm, I'm anxious to see what they do at, at that level. But I think players are relieved to know that Nick will be there 
Um, we'll see what they do with some of the elder statesmen on the team and Brandon Graham and Fletcher Cox and what Jason Kelsey decides to do. Some of those are still decisions to be made. It's interesting because it felt like, now we're going to have Lane Johnson uh, on a little bit later on, and obviously he'll give us his insight into the Eagles and, and kind of went, went awry as best he could, you know. Um, it felt like a lot of the players came out in support of Nick. Uh, you know, the the only thing is, what I always am concerned about is, all right, what about that offense? Like, you just said it. So, is it Kellen Moore's offense or whoever they hire? Nick is an offensive guy. And I think Nick's a bright guy. What, what do you think is, you know, what, what do you think his role, like, moving forward? Like, what do you want to see? If you're Jeffrey Lurie out of your head coach who's also an offensive guy, I'm still surprised he didn't take, he didn't take back the play calling. Well, when I say simplistic, I mean, you can only run so many RPOs, cuz. Yeah. Like, well, RPO can't be your offense. It seemed to be a big part of their offense. Um, there seemed to be massive levels of miscommunication between the plays that's called and what was being executed. Like, I, that stuff showed up a lot. Route combinations that aren't run the correct way. Uh, you know, when you're running um, just pick routes or rub routes, and you're getting called for offensive pass interference. Well, there's a that's a fundamental breakdown in how you're running that particular rub route. Like that's that's on Nick. So I think it always comes back like they didn't tackle well at all, right? I mean the tackling was atrocious. So I feel like the job of the head coach is to make sure you get back to fundamental football, tackling, blocking running correct routes at the correct distances, not the stuff where like these press conferences, well, we got to get on the same page. Well, we need a deeper commitment. Like the things that were coming out are an indictment of the head coach. Now it's press conferences. People say things at press conferences. Who knows if, if, if they're, it's just coaches speak or if it's real, but I would, I was concerned when players are saying we need a better commitment from the team. That doesn't mean guys aren't working hard. That's on the head coach. Uh, we need, you know, so some of these things are all about the head coach. And like, I know they're not going to answer any of that stuff now. It, it doesn't really behoove them because you're keeping a head coach. So you're not going to get deep into it, but it's not a good, it's not a good vibe coming out of the locker room right now amongst a lot of factions. And we could ask, you know, Lane Johnson about how a team gets fractured, you know, when you're not winning and you're losing. Teams will get fractured. So it seems fractured, and it's up to the head coach to put an end to all of that. Yeah, and, and here's the other thing. The quarterback, the most important piece, the guy that you invested a lot of money in, I mean, he's you're going to have to help him, and he's going to have to play better, but you're going to have to help him and surround him and put him in those positions to succeed because, you know, during that during that that losing streak. I mean, to be as uh, vulnerable to the blitz as they were when you knew what Todd Bowles was going to do, everybody knew Todd Bowles was going to send everyone. And they weren't prepared for it. That was, to me, the most alarming thing. Yep. Uh, so that's a big part of it because um, I'm watching Baltimore last week in the divisional round against Houston. And every time Houston blitzed, Lamar knew what the answer was. 
the Ravens had an answer for it. They were coached for it, and he knew what to look for, and he knew how to beat it. And it, it, it didn't help them blitz him. So if you look at two of the teams in the Final Four, in Baltimore and in Kansas City, they're paying both their quarterbacks the way the Eagles are paying their quarterback. That's what you expect. You expect to get that level of play from a quarterback when you're, when you're giving those kind of resources to that position. Now, Jared Goff was a guy that some people didn't know if he could be a, was he a stopgap? Could he be the long-term answer? Uh, it looks like he's the long-term answer for Detroit. And they're just lucky as lucky can be in San Francisco that Brock Purdy has played at the level he's played at. But otherwise, if you're paying the quarterbacks the kind of money that they're paying Jalen, you need a better performance from the quarterback. That's just, it just, I remember when Reggie White went to Green Bay and, you know, he's, you know, he's like, the Lord told me to, you know, well, they got their money's worth from Reggie. They won a championship. He became the face of the organization. You pay these guys that kind of money. You then have to play at a certain level. That's why Denver is doing what they're doing with Russell. Yeah. Like they're not yeah. getting the level of play for the amount of money that they're paying him. And so now do you move on? Do you keep them? Do you slice his salary? What's the situation? It's not, it's not, it's still fluid a little bit, but that's just the backlash. Nobody ever talks about how much money Patrick Mahomes makes ever. Cause all you get is the highest performance level possible. Nobody's talking about Lamar because of the way that he played this year. That's but right. as soon as the back, as soon as the performance goes backwards, the money always comes up. So of these OCs around, I, I mean, quite frankly, to me, if if I was Jeffrey Lurie, I'd be I would I've let Kingsbury out of the building. Like to me, Cliff Kingsbury would be a a tremendous uh, a, a godsend to that offense. Well, everybody's looking to sort of modernize whatever that might mean. Uh, you know, it's different for different people, but I mean. The, the college game is the NFL game. I mean, whether it's tempo or spread or shotgun, whatever it is, it's a big part of the game. And so Cliff knows how to, to coach that. He's coached it with Johnny Manziel and, and with obviously with Caleb this year and, and last year. And you look at what he's done with, with Kyler and what he did with Baker and with Mahomes. I mean, you know, I mean, not Baker, but Mahomes. I mean, it's, he's worked with four guys that yeah. played the top top of the food chain in college football. So he's got a great track record, and he knows how to call plays. Yeah, I, I, I just – wow. Especially with a quarterback well, like Jalen. But real quick, what's interesting about Cliff is he wants to spread you out to run it. He wants to run the ball down your throat. Like the quarterback's going to be a part of the run game, but yeah. he wants to run it. Like he's not going to just throw it. 65 or 70 percent of the chance of the time he's going to balance it up but he's going to get running lanes the way he spreads you out yeah and, and i think jalen is and that's kind of why i was surprised and, and again what we don't know maybe he's hurt or whatever we talk about the knee as a possibility i don't know but you know he needed to be a part of the run game especially as you got closer to the playoffs like he just makes that run game that much more difficult to stop especially if you're going to run that offense well he needs he he, he makes every offense just much more efficient yeah with his ability and it's harder to defend 
But it, it almost is harder to defend when he's running it. The run, the, it opens up things in the passing game for sure. So, I mean, you saw the touchdown pass last week, you know, by Lamar Jackson, Isaiah Likely. I mean, it's a quarterback sweep all the way until it wasn't a sweep anymore. Did we see that play? Did we see that play with Jalen Hurts this year? No. Like, and you saw I mean, last year, which was, you know, which is odd because you did see him play. He played the position almost like a point guard in that set yeah. last year, and you didn't see that this year. But why wouldn't you have that concept in your <clears throat> in your like yeah. in your playbook? Why didn't we see like something so simple and basic? You know, anybody that's ever had a quarterback that ran the ball had that play in. Yeah. And then it's a question of how well you sell it. Can you sell it where they're really buying the run and now you've got a jump ball to your tight end? Like those kind of concepts, um, they seemed missing from this offense. Yep, in, in a big way. All right, buddy. Uh, listen, look who we got on the line. Oh, my. Yeah, man. From Norman, Oklahoma, as he uh, is back in Oklahoma. The great Lane Johnson, Baldy. My man, Lane, welcome to the program. Like, glad that you could join us here. Special time of the year. Yeah, I mean, um, when I saw Guyton last year, I mean, he's taller than me by probably an inch. Uh, he's long. Uh, I mean, when I saw his uh, footwork, man, he's really impressive. Just a nimble guy, extremely athletic, so yeah. has all the traits. You know, obviously, I think he'll get stronger. He needs to get in the weight room, you know, like everybody does. But I think once that happens, he can be an elite player. He's just got incredible size and just uh, movement skills. Just just very fluid. I bet you could see it on tape. Just a very – Yeah. Yeah. All that. So, Lee, did you come to, to – how do you handle putting to bed that kind of season? Like, I'm curious – a guy like you, who's such a competitor, who's a winner, like how do you how do you reconcile and put to bed last season, this past season? Yeah, I mean, my approach to every game, you know, win or lose, is um, you know, did, how was my effort? How did how was all that? I think the effort was good. I just think, um, you know, whenever stuff was wasn't going bad, I wish we could have stopped the bleeding a little bit earlier than what we did. You know, we never did stop it. It just kept bleeding. So that's probably more frustrating. Just, you know, starting the season how we did and then finishing the way we did. Um, you know, it's very disheartening. But, you know, what I preach to a lot of the younger guys, man, is just, uh, you know, however the game's going, whatever you are, uh, try to have good body language um, all the time. Don't give these deep, don't give the other team any tape to, so they can have any ammunition. Um, so, yeah, just try to finish the best way you could. So, you know, it was terrible down in Tampa Bay. We ended up getting blown out. But, you know, through it all, I wanted to finish strong for Kels. And just, uh, you know, whatever happens, just play hard. And so, uh, and obviously next year, make some adjustments. We're hiring some new coordinators now. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's just, uh, yeah, it's one of those seasons that I've never really been a part of. You know, I've been a, a part of, you know, winning seasons, and then, you know, you lose in the playoffs, but really how we started to where we ended, I don't know if it's – I don't know if any other teams ever done that before. It was, it was a spiral you guys couldn't get out of, I'll tell you that, Lane. But, you know, you did mention Kels. You did mention Kels. We all saw him on uh, this past weekend, Saturday night. He's having a good time in, uh, in Kansas – in Buffalo. <laughs> 
we all watched. And now he was having so much fun, Lane. It looks like he wants to return. Have you talked to Jason yeah. at all this past week? Uh, I mean, I talked to him a little bit, you know, towards the end of the season. You know, I think physically, I think he could play for another few years. Um, just, um, you know, from that standpoint. But I think, um, you know, I think he'll have the option to come back. But I think what he was doing this year, um, you know, I don't think he expected, you know, when he was starting the podcast that it would end up doing what it's doing or how much traction it would get. So I think he's having yeah. fun with that. And I think he's, you know, exploring other options, maybe being a broadcaster or, um, but I think really this year kind of he was seeing, you know, some of the possibilities that were opening for, you know, life after football, you know, so he has, he has a lot of options, um, which is good, but, you know, I'd love to have him back, but, you know, at the same time, man, I, I know with this game, the, the toll it brings on the body. So, um, you know, either way, um, even if he's not playing, I'm, I'm going to expect him to be up there at least two days a week to, uh, for morale boost and, uh, and to come in, but, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't discount him coming back, but we'll see. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it'd be a tremendous loss. I, I always tr- trust your eye. You know? like, I, I trust your eye. Like, when you, when you see something about this game, like, I, I perk up. I listen to it. I know Baldy and I, we both talk, we talk about you all the time. What, what thought, you have any theories as to kind of how it kind of spiraled away? Um, well, you know, as the season uh, progresses, as they get more tape on you, um, you know, teams look at, you know, how were other teams effective in shutting you down. And so I think this maybe it started with the 49ers and then, you know, the nosebleed kept coming. We didn't make those adjustments. And so I think they just kept bringing the kind of same plan of attack and it kept working and we weren't able to adjust to it. And so I think that was really it. But yeah, like you said, sometimes it takes teams a little bit to get film and once a team has a successful game against you or a good game plan then teams kind of piggyback off of that so you know I think that's kind of what happened you know they always say the league always has a way of figuring figuring you out so you know I think they figured figured us out we didn't adjust and it was you know it was evident Lane you you mentioned the 49ers you've seen them twice in the last year you've seen them obviously this year and in the NFC championship game Tell me what you see from the 49ers defense. Obviously, they've got a lot of named players. Uh, yeah. You know, Nick Bosa, it kind of starts with Bosa, but, you know, Warner and Chase and, you know, Dre Greenlaw. Yeah. They've got, you know, obviously, you know, Javon Hargrave. So how would you kind of – if you were just giving a, a scouting report on Sunday, NFL on Fox Lane, what would you – how would you build that, that, that scout report on the 49ers for this Sunday? Yeah, I mean, they're, they're a great pursuit team. I feel like they really tackle well. They swarm the ball well. Um, you know, I think when they looked at some of the run games, um, I don't know if they – I think there was a stat the other night that they didn't have allow, like, a guy to have a single 100-yard rusher on them uh, in, like, 51 games. So they do a good job of shutting guys down, making it tough. But, you know, I think they, they apply a pressure, obviously, with their pass rushers. Uh, Fred Warner, sideline to sideline. But – uh, teams are trying to attack them, uh, run the football. I think Green Bay did a good job. There were teams that yeah. did a, a good job with it, but um, at the same time, man, um, yeah, I just thought they play hard. Um, you know, especially Bosa. I mean, uh, he's one of these guys. He's like a Max Crosby, T.J. Watt. That 
in the run game or pass game, he's always bringing that motor. And I think, you know, Fred Warner is another guy like that, too. He's always playing hard. Um, but really, yeah, what I saw, man, they were just swarming to the football. You know, even if a guy was across the field, these guys are hauling butt over there to make tackles. And so I thought the effort level is extremely high. Lane, you started the season last year in Detroit, 2022 season in Detroit. It was Aiden Hutchinson's first game as a pro. What do you remember about Aiden? I mean, obviously he's become a lot more polished. You know, they play him everywhere now, up and down the uh, defensive line. But what do you remember about that first game with, with him and Aiden Hutchinson specifically? Yeah, I mean, I thought he had tremendous potential. You know, I looked, you know, his body type, um, you know, he's tall. I mean, he doesn't have incredible length, but he has enough. But what I, I think what I've seen just from the first game, I feel like he's definitely developed his pass rush game where now he's setting up guys with moves. So he may rush high, rush high, rush high. And then, you know, later in the game, spin back inside. So I feel like maybe, you know, his football IQ has gone up and, and he's a more polished pass rusher this season. I mean, you see a sack numbers from a year ago to now, but I feel like his production, his pressures were up because he's become, um, I guess, more of a student of the game. And like you said, those great pass rushers, they always have a plan of attack. They know where guys are successful. So they do they do a good job of setting you up uh, and baiting you and then beat you, um, you know, when the time's right. Lane, can you explain the Chiefs and Andy back there again. I mean, yeah. it's incredible. What, what, a, what an amazing story, man. He's such a great coach. Yeah, I think Spags is a, a really good defense coordinator. Um, I think what he does a lot is he, do, he does a lot of late. Um, you know, he, he does a lot of disguises in the last minute. He'll get into what he's trying to do. And so from an offensive standpoint, you know, you have your calls and then they change something last minute and you're trying to get these calls in. And they know that. And then they realize the timing of it makes it very difficult. So they do a good job of disguising stuff and then bringing it late and allowing your calls to be really messed up. And, and really what it does, it you know usually uh, makes somebody free. Somebody's missing assignment and somebody comes free. But they're another team that I feel like they really swarm to the ball. I feel like they have really good linebackers. I remember playing, uh, you know, number 50, Gay. I thought he was a great linebacker. Yeah. But what made it really difficult was, is like, you know, we're on the road. They know when our guards tapping and they and they and they do like a lot of these shifts and stunning, you know, right whenever, um, you know, last minute to where our calls are already made and they and they make blocking them, uh, you know, the assignment wise very difficult. And that's what he's really good at. And then obviously, you know, I feel like they've adjusted, you know, I feel like they really, you know, they double team uh, Travis a lot during the year, but, you mm-hmm. know, somehow they still find a way, you know, they talk about their receivers aren't what they were last year, but here they are again, you know, beating the odds, um, you know, it's a close game against the Bills, but, uh, you know, when you have Patty Mahomes back there, he can, uh, you know, he can kind of erase a lot of mistakes for you, but um, yeah, they're just, they're very crafty in what they do and they're really good at it. Blaine, I have a, a general question uh, to ask. It, it involves the final four teams because all four teams, the Ravens led the league in rushing. McCaffrey led the league as an individual rusher. Detroit runs the ball really, really good. Um, you know, all the way through. And so you look at the in Kansas City now has a power running game with Pacheco. My question, Lane, is this. Every offensive line I've ever played on 
and everyone I ever talked to, they want to run the football. But yet all these analytics out there say you got to throw it to win it. And it feels like in order to run it, you have to be committed to running it. Because there's yeah. always there's always like a fine line, a fine dance lane with that running back in the line, where it's going to hit, how you're going to get to the mic, how you're going to seal the backside. Like all these things always have to get figured out once the game starts. Walkthroughs yeah. on Wednesday don't fix it. So I guess my question, Lane, is why can't more teams just commit to it, to be good at it? And because I, I feel like that was an issue with your offense this year is yeah. that you couldn't commit to it, even though when you did it, you were good at it. Yeah, I felt like, you know, whenever we have ran the ball really well, we really started the game well. So really like a good burst, first couple of opening drives. And so I feel like the confidence in it is there rather than getting stuffed. And I feel like sometimes a run game changes or, or we have a plan and then you get behind a couple of scores and then it's like, it's all out the window, you know, we're, we're going to throw it. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it, it. one thing about the run game, man, it, is it can help out every other aspect. Um, you know, the more you can beat guys up physically, it slows down the pass rush. The more you get on these linebackers and get in their face, you know, the less, um, you know, the more they're thinking about that rather than covering. So, uh, you know, it's a great way to run the clock. It's a great way to slow the game down. But I feel like, um, you know, there was times where um, – it's like Minnesota, we had a good game. I mean, there wasn't very many where we had really big run games, but a lot of yeah. it, we stuck with it whenever we really hit it early and we had confidence in it. And then if we, I feel like if we ever got behind, I mean, I already knew what time was. We're going to throw it. Um, you know, we're kind of behind in the yeah. in the score. So weren't as committed. But, yeah, it was frustrating. Um, you know, we had a we had a run game package for Tampa, and then they line up in like a 6-2 the whole game. And so they're, they're pretty much saying to throw the ball. And so – yeah, it's something, um, you know, sometimes you may get stuffed early, but then stuff opens up late in the game. So I felt like maybe next year I have more confidence in it. But as far as the offensive lineman's point of view, I mean, rather than sitting back, drop, you know, dropping back, throwing the ball and giving these rushers just, you know, what they want, they want to rush the ball. They don't want to play the run. So whenever you can attack guys, it's a, it's a lot better mindset. It's a lot, it's a lot more fun for O-linemen, so to speak. If you can beat guys up physically, because you know, whenever they're going to, whenever you do throw the ball, that they they're a little bit more tired now. It kind of limits the pass trust. So, if you ever come and watch our practices, a lot of what we're doing is make blocks, you know, t blocks. Um, and that's what we like. That's what we love to do. I love beating a guy up, and then you know, when it comes time to rush the quarterback, they're not as effective. So, <laughs> I like to see a little bit more of that next year. Hopefully, we can get up on, on teams and stay with it. How did they? How did they play you the first? The, in the first game, you guys rushed for 201 yards against them. How how, how different was it? Because it was interesting. Early in the game, you guys had success. Swift had a little bit of success early. Yeah, I think that they may have done some – I got to go back and watch the tape, but I think the first game might have been a little bit more four down. Then they may have run some diamond every now and then, but they weren't in specifically like a 6-1, 6-2 kind yeah. of package that they were in in, in the – playoffs which was saying hey you're not going to run it in here all the gaps are covered um and then they're doing all these split zero stuff um where you had to have quick decisions and get out of it and so we weren't doing good at that either so it was really just a double whammy where we weren't effective but yeah they definitely changed up uh for their approach uh, during the playoffs because they knew what we were trying to do lane you played in a couple of these nfc championship games 
to the fans out there that are listening to this, does the game feel different to you when you play at that level or Super Bowl level? Does the game yeah. feel different? Or once this ball's kicked off and you're out there in the huddle coming on and off the field, does it feel the same? Yeah, I mean, as like far as myself, I feel like I have a lot more nerves and kind of anxiousness towards the beginning of the season. And then by the time, you know, the last game is over and the playoffs come around, I'm so numb to it because I played, obviously, you know, 17 games. And, yeah, I just kind of get numb to the crowd. I kind of get numb to it. You know, we're doing the same plays over and over. We're doing walkthroughs over and over, you know, for all these weeks. And by the time I get to playoffs, I'm just like uh, I'm numb to it. I don't really have a whole lot of emotions. I mean, obviously, I want to win in advance. But, you know, as far as being up or down, uh, I feel like a lot of guys are just uh, numb. They're kind of burned out from just being riding the emotions of the season to where you kind of just get numb to it. Uh, mm. At least that's been my experience later in the yeah. season. Um, you know, it becomes more, okay, this is what I have. I'm not really thinking about the ifs and buts. I feel like that's a lot more, you know, the first three or four games, um, you know, when you're trying to get your season rolling. But, yeah, it's a little bit different mindset. I, I just feel like I'm, I'm very numb to everything. How, how hard is it, like, when you make a run like you did last year, right? The following year, like, how hard is it to sustain that? Because you play so deep into it. You're playing these yeah. high-stressed games. Is is there a is there's also like a almost a hangover effect? Like we always talked about that. The following year, is it just take yeah. a lot out of you, Lane? Well, yeah. I mean, the season's over in February, and you know, usually guys are back in there, um, you know, early April for OTAs. So you're off season is definitely limited compared to other teams that have exited early. So, you know, I think your approach is you, you do have to rest, but at the same time, you know, OTAs aren't too far, far around. So I feel like your off season is a little bit adjusted. And then just coming in, you know, I remember our 2018 season, 18-19 being a lot different than our 17-18. You know, we came in, um, you know, Super Bowl champs and, and, and people know that. So I feel like you're getting everybody's best, or at least everybody seems like that. And I felt like games were very, very difficult for the 18-19 year. I felt like we, we handled it very well at the beginning of the season. And then, like you said, um, when the 49ers came to town, that was kind of like the start of the nosebleed for us that we couldn't stop. But I felt like we were focused. I felt like going in that, at least from my experience, we've always said, hey, it's going to be a lot more challenging this year. You're going to get team's best. Um, you're, not, you're not coming in as, as kind of what you were the season before is – um, as somebody that wasn't expected to, you know, be where they were at. So the expectations are different. Your mindset is different. But, you know, I think with all that, you have to have a routine. You have to, you have to put in time every day. So, you know, whenever the games come around, you're ready. You know, you're not, you're not worrying about this and that. You're, you've been working. So that should translate. So, and it did for the first half of the year. And then, you know, once all that happened, it just kind of went downhill. Hmm. How was Nick? Do you feel good about, you know, kind of moving forward now and, you know, kind of trying to get a little more, like, you know, stability, get the new OC, but you still have Nick there? Yeah, I felt I felt Nick was very even kill, even when we were losing. Um, I mean, obviously you could see the coaches were frustrated, but, um, you know, I think the, the messages were clear. Um, you know, the job assignments were clear. I just felt like um, we could have done better. Um, you know, maybe 
uh, scheming wise or just, um, you know, going into games, um, maybe communicate with players. Okay, all, all of us in here together, how do we fix this? Rather than, you know, is it Brian's fault? Is it Nick's fault? Uh, it goes down to communication. So, you know, a lot of times you can learn a lot from your players. And, and so I'd say that. So moving forward, forever in that predicament again, it's going to go down to communication. And sometimes whenever you lose, people in the building tend to isolate sometimes. You know, even players, things aren't going well, you know. Um, they're kind of hiding a little bit. So mm-hmm. I think for us, um, you know, if, whenever that situation does happen again, if it does happen again, um, you know, I think our communication has to become stronger and you have to become tighter. So and, and become a team and not and not separate. Hey, Lane, last question for me. Uh, they hired Vic Fangio to be your defensive coordinator. He was there. Um, with with Gannon two years ago, I'm just curious. I don't know what kind of role he played, Lane. I, I really don't. What What do you remember about about Vic and what his role was? And if you interacted with him at all, was he out there every day, sort of, kind of like yeah, another set of Because I, I think they wanted to hire him right away last year yeah. when they lost Gannon, and then he went to Miami. So I think he caught him off guard a little bit. Yeah, I think they were grooming him to be the next D.C. I remember him being in there, like, really towards the end of the season, like playoff run. And so, you know, for him, I think he's trying to, you know, see what personnel we have and kind of see, you know, if he does become D.C., okay, where where are our holes? What do we need to fix? So, uh, you know, I felt we had that going. And obviously the Gannon situation happened and he went to Miami. But uh, heading back, you know, I think, um, you know, he knows kind of what we have and kind of what – you know, new players you may want to bring in and how he wants to adjust. So um, it may have been similar with Patricia this year. I know he was kind of, um, you know, he was thrown into D.C. mid-year, but I felt like kind of this, he may have been in kind of a similar situation where he was here, you know, Sean's running the defense, and then maybe next year he comes in. But either way, um, you know, I think Vic is a, is a great defense coordinator. Um, I think he did good things against us in Miami. And, um yeah, I mean, I think he'll be good for us. He's got a lot of experience. And, uh, yeah, I think with his time with us, that he does have an understanding of our roster. And I think our approach will be better, um, you know, with him back. Well, I'm just curious from your standpoint, because you, you've been through, you know, different coaches, different styles, training camps. Do, do you believe, like, do you believe in a, a more arduous training camp or? Do you, you know, kind of throughout the season? Like, I always feel like you're like, what's your view on, you know, the way you practice, the way you approach early in the season as opposed to how it goes? Yeah, I mean, training camp is, um, you know, a lot of it, you're trying to get your players in shape. You're trying to see, you know, kind of simulate the season. You know, you put all these days back and back and back together and you kind of see how players react with adversity. So, you know, you kind of see a lot of that, I think. You know, obviously, training camps were a lot different than what they are now. It's kind of a, um, a titty baby league now, um, you know, as far as when you hear stories of how balding them used to practice, where it's like the junction <laughs> yeah. boy style. Yeah. Lee, if, I, if I was in the league the way you're in the league now, I would have a part-time job. Years. I, I, I'd have yeah. a part-time job in addition to playing football if I was in your business right now. <laughs> yeah, I'd I, play, remember, I, I would play 20 Jack years, play. Lane. I remember Jackie Slater was talking about uh, for every training camp he missed, yeah. he probably got two more good seasons yeah. out of it. So, That's yeah, true. I, mean, I think there's a time where you have to be, you know, obviously physical, a stern camp. 
but you know the way it is now they're trying to watch injuries and all that but you know I think a lot of the success during a season is you know obviously how you practice a lot of it is if you have a great scout team that are presenting good looks I think these people are often overlooked but these players the scout team and the people you see every day those people are probably some of the most important people in the building as far as presenting looks and effort so I felt like that was good I feel like our effort was good but you know maybe moving forward um you know maybe keep the pads on thursdays i don't know there's there's obviously something you want to change but i feel like our you know our practice schedule is pretty similar to what it was the year before we just perform better so um yeah whatever stuff isn't going right hey if your team isn't isn't physical hey let's put these pads on on uh wednesdays and thursdays yeah. and hell they used to do it fridays and i heard coaches even do it saturdays too back in the day so yeah. um yeah whenever your product isn't matching up to what you want it to yeah there's got to be changes so i expect there'll probably be some changes this year um you know for the better i mean it's it, it's all good Lane, I, first of all just thanks brother man we we so appreciate you you know you, you got to get some rest man you get down there stress-free work on the farm could be Lane, good go get that cut taken care of man go get that cut taken care of right now yeah i think i will i need to get some neosporin and the band-aid and i'll be good all right all right we're gonna, we're, we're gonna come down and see you all right yeah come on i'm down here all right, buddy. Thanks, Lane. Thanks, brother. All right. I'll talk to you soon, bud. Yep. Hey, we're sports fans, right? We love this stuff. And there's nothing better than going to games or concerts or comedy shows, the theater, you name it. But going to games is it. I don't know about you, but I've had so many headaches dealing with tickets. Until I found the Game Time app. I love Game Time. Game Time takes the hassle and saves you money when it comes to buying tickets for events. Basketball, football, we have the playoffs and all, but obviously basketball, baseball, starting hockey. You got it. It's unbelievable. The Game Time app, what I love about it is there's all these different features. Like you can see the vantage point from your seats with the game time app. Oh, I'm here. Oh, I can actually see what I'm going to be looking at, which is really cool. They have all kinds of specials, like last minute specials to buy zone specials. They have a special where if you just pick the section you want, they'll pick the row in the seats and you're going to save an average of 18%. They have event cancellation protection. They have job loss protection. I mean, these people at game time are obsessed with saving you money to tickets to events in fact, if you find a play, if you find tickets cheaper, they will refund you 110% of the difference. So do like me and check out the Game Time app. It's phenomenal. All right. Use the code all NFL. You go ALL NFL. That gets you 20 bucks off your first pit, first purchase. All NFL, 20 bucks off your first purchase. The Game Time app obsessed with saving you money and taking a hassle out of buying tickets. Thanks to Lane Johnson, Baldy, and his visit into the meat locker. Uh, Tomorrow, we're going to preview the games. We got championship Sunday. I know you can't wait. You'll be in Baltimore for the game. Well, I have an invitation to go to Baltimore. I haven't uh, 
jumped on that invitation yet. Maybe I'll know more by the time we meet tomorrow and uh, and see. You got to go. You got to go to Baltimore. I'm getting pushed in that direction. I just uh, – some things got to line up just right. But okay. I could very well be in Baltimore Sunday. All right. Well, either way, tomorrow we'll break down the championship games. We'll give you – what we how we see it'll go, how we think it'll go, lots to do. It's always fun. It is the All City All NFL podcast, the Meat Locker, Baldy. Cause we'll see you tomorrow. See you guys.